Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com, to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. I'm Steve Letarte, STP auto expert and former crew chief. I know what it takes to keep engines performing at their best. STP's latest breakthrough additive, STP Ultra 5-in-1 plus Fuel System Cleaner plus Fuel Stabilizer delivers three times the amount of cleaning agents versus premium gasoline and helps keep fuel fresh during storage. For over 60 years, STP has been on the cutting edge developing products to help engines run better, longer. One bottle contains three times by weight the amount of cleaning agents compared to 20 gallons of the leading premium gasoline. Welcome to the NASCAR on NBC podcast presented by STP. I'm your host, Nate Ryan. Today we have Steve Letarte, who has joined me here in the NBC Sports Charlotte studios on a breaking news edition of the podcast, Stevie, that actually will be the featured episode this week here on the NASCAR NBC podcast presented by STP. We got some news this morning. This is going to be Dale Earnhardt Jr.'s final season. Yeah, slow news day. And <laughs> Um, it started rather early for some of us. When when did you get the news that this was uh, happening? Um, well, I got um, I was on a, a, a text chain this morning that, that I understand the news was breaking just a little bit before it went public. Um, so uh, I didn't have a whole lot more time than anybody else to really digest it. Um, but it was it's good. I'm excited that he finally got to make uh, his decision, whichever side he was going to go on, and. Um, but watching him make his decision today, he looked like a driver to me and a, a person more than a driver that was very confident, you know, comfortable, confident in his decision. He seemed to be um, – I think Jeff Gluck said, he goes, you know, I'm having a hard time reading his yeah. demeanor, and right. I think it's because he truly was kind of at peace with it. I think the swirl of emotions has got to be huge, but they weren't tipped so far one way versus the other that we couldn't read his body language, which tells me he must be pretty well at peace with it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know him, obviously – as well virtually as anybody um you were there for his career renaissance as his crew chief from 2011 to 2014 uh rescued him from the depths of not making the playoffs turned him around not only professionally but you were uh, a very good friend friend of his as well personally you you know him well um he's been mulling this or he told us that at, in, in uh, daytona Fe- february speed weeks that he would take about two months to figure out what he wanted to do uh when did you have a sense that this would be the way it would break, did, and, and did it surprise you? I, I, I sense that no, you, you, kind you know. Of so it's a funny it. thing is one thing about Dale and I's relationship is there's like internal boundaries that we, no one's really spoken of and nobody really sets. But I haven't had a lot of conversations because, um, you know, when I if you go all the way back to the decision I made to come to NBC, he never voiced his opinion until I asked. Yeah, and when I asked, he was very gracious and gave me. Uh, his professional opinion as my race car driver, and then his opinion as my friend. 
um, which were very different. Um, as a race car driver, it was if you got to do this, you got to do this. If it was a friend, don't. No, leave. as a race car driver, what are you crazy? You're don't a good creature. You yeah, just okay, stay here. And as a friend, it was it was you know I think you would actually be pretty good at it if you want to do it. You know I love your wife, love your kids. If you yeah. think this is right for you, and I always remember that and how he supported me when it was against what was probably better for him at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, nothing against Greg. I think Greg is genius, but uh, we had kind of just kind of got our stride. So in this conversation. I just try to be the distraction. You know, we talked about, I asked him, I spent a lot of time this weekend texting him about cycling. I'm considering buying a bike. He's a new biker. So I, I was cool. like, hey, you know, how do I avoid the potholes literally and figuratively in this cycling thing? Um, so, you know, I really didn't know. I had my opinions, but I kept them to myself. The most important thing is I wanted it to be his and Amy's decision. Um, the best thing, as much as I miss racing on Sundays, I wouldn't go back for the times and memories I've made with my family since I have moved to television and that's why the people that needed to make this decision with him isn't me by any means it's mm-hmm. it's him his sister his wife um so I was just basically a friend but we never talked about it so I really <laughs> didn't know which way he was leaning um I had my opinions but I just sat on the sidelines like everybody else and waited to hear hmm. do you think he solicited a lot of people's opinions before he made this decision um, if I know Dale, he didn't solicit as many as people think. He has um, a big network of friends, but a small network of inner circle. Mm-hmm. Uh, it becomes complicated. He's been so successful that a lot of people have interaction with him that depend on whether he's in a car or not. And and I think he wouldn't – it's not that he wouldn't trust their opinion. It's that he respects people so much he wouldn't put them in the position to have to give an opinion. Mm-hmm. So I think he has a small uh, inner circle. And I'm sure he asked them. I mean, today in the press conference, he said he made his decision and went and told Rick Hendricks. So that tells me that he didn't discuss it with Rick. Hmm. That tells it to me. Or maybe they yeah, discussed it and then that's he went point. away to make the decision. Right. But I consider Rick Hendrick probably as close to him as anyone gets. And by how it was presented to me today and everyone today was that he wasn't maybe completely involved in the decision process because he went to talk to him about it. Yeah. The general impressions um, that you took from today's announcement. Let's let's just start with the, d- the demeanor you mentioned. Uh, you know, Gluck asked asked Dale Junior this that y- you look. I guess they just look kind of like a little bit uncomfortable. See, I'm the opposite. It looked to me like someone who owned it. Really, he walked huh. out on stage by himself. Yeah, there was no mediator. Yeah, there was no seat. There was no hiding behind an owner. There yep. was no hiding behind his sister. There was no hiding behind anyone. He walked out there in full suit and tie. Yep which I'd like to see if anybody can find him in suit and tie on a stage. Rick Hendrick mentioned that. He yeah, said the so, last but, time yeah, I had to ask you, and I didn't have to ask you to wear a suit and tie. So today. he walked out there. Um, and I know that seems simple, but even for Dale Jr., that's a scary place to be. I've yeah. been on that state. You know, they're scary. He walked out there by himself in a suit and tie with prepared remarks that, that there's no doubt he prepared. I know him well enough. There was just enough wit in there that those were hairs. <laughs> you know, what did he say The uh, that he thinks they should continue to use retired uh, athletes in their nationwide stuff? Yes. I, I like yeah. that. So my point is he looked at someone that was nervous because he should. Yep. Because arguably one of the biggest announcements he's ever had to make. But he didn't do it with anyone else. And, and I love the fact that he came out there and – he owned it for his fans. He owned it for Hendrick Motorsports. He owned it for his sponsors. He owned it for himself and his family. And I love the announcement because the announcement I heard, and I'm paraphrasing, but I heard a driver tell the world that he is comfortable to say that he'll stop driving at the end of 2017. Yes. He didn't put it on any specific thing other than he made the decision, and I, I really appreciated that. 
I think that, like, when I think back to 2007, the first news conference, yeah, back-to-back news conferences a few weeks apart, one to announce he was leaving DEI, one to announce he was going to Hendrick. The first one to announce he was leaving DEI, he was extremely nervous. I mean, you could just read on his face. He was just, he, he was just very uncomfortable. This time, I think Gluck said it really well. Like, the mood seemed somber, but as you just said, Stevie, I mean, he seemed really comfortable in his own skin and telling people, but it seemed a little bit somber because you could tell he was – and he said this a few times during the, the the news conference. He was worried about the reaction. He's worried about the fallout, as he as he called it. And he, as he said, you know, during the, the course of it, he said that the the feedback. He's been checking social media. You know the way he is. He says it's been positive. So well, I guess let's that's just good. be honest. We all make decisions that, even though they're the right decision, even though it's our own decision to make, it doesn't make them easy. Yeah. So today should be a day for celebration. There was a healthy Dale Hart Jr. that made the decision to change the course of his career when he wanted to change it. He made a point that that was important to him um, to have him make the decision, not his health, not some other means kind of measuring in. Um, but, you know, you had to get by here before the celebration could kind of start. So I think it's not somber for Dale Jr. Yeah. He's had time to, you know, categorize it, compartmentalize it, make it a good decision. Um, I think he respects his fans to the nth degree. And I think he knows. He relates to his fans. He talks to his fans. I think deep down he was fans of other drivers. Right? He knows that the mood needed to be set in the tone of quiet and somber because this is more than just about him, which is really distorted. But – when you become the most popular guy in a sport, that's the truth. It says a lot about Dale Jr. that he can recognize that he's going to have a weight lifted off his shoulders to some degree because he doesn't have to think about this anymore. But he knows that waking up this morning, there are millions of people in this country who are going to be wrestling with this and disappointed and trying to digest it. And it's like he's respectful of all of that. You don't become the most popular driver because of a last name. Yeah. And I know he has a famous one, but you might become the most popular driver the first time because of a last name. But you don't continue it year after year after year. Um, you don't continue it because of what you've done on the racetrack. You don't continue it because of your last name. You don't continue it because of how you interact with fans. You continue it, and you continue to receive that award because of the body of work that you present in a sport. And that body of work for Dale Hart Jr. is behind the wheel. It's behind the microphone. Um, it's on your television commercials. It's spokesman for companies of hospitality. It's a car owner in their Xfinity series, and this podcast would continue to go on and on and on if we listed all the ways. And his his legacy will match that. His body of work is too large to try to put into a category. Right. And he went out of his way to thank Junior Nation, especially as he put it, the fans that stuck it out. They were there for the person I was. I think he met back in 2009 and 2010 and, and those struggles of those seasons, even before he came to Hendrick, uh, his first few years at DEI when he was clearly – maturing into the personality and superstar he became sure, technically the maturing happened yeah <laughs> i guess in some ways it didn't well he was in a suit and tie though so again today he some credit, to, listen right? i'm today i mean it's um <laughs> that'd be a good screen someone needs to take screenshots of dale Hart jr press conferences and just see how it's changed over the years <laughs> i know he wasn't in a suit and tie for that dei news conference in 2007 or the hendrick one um he also said that about junior nation he had gained a new appreciation for their dedication and enthusiasm um, when he succeeded and when he fell short of the, his goals, like nothing meant more 
uh, track to track, as he said, traveling around the country, seeing that support regardless of how he performed. It was always just about who he was as a person. And that was sort of a theme, I think, of his opening address there, Steve, was he thanked everybody. He thanked Rick Hendrick. He thanked his wife, Amy. He thanked uh, Greg Ives, his current crew chief, and the team members. He thanked Kelly Earnhardt Miller, his sister. He thanked his mother, Brenda Jackson. Uh, what do you take from all that? Obviously, he's very gracious. I think he's very gracious, and I think that um, you know, rarely does Dale Earnhardt Jr. have a moment that's not about performance. And I think he took that opportunity on the biggest stage and made sure it wasn't about him. Mm-hmm. Made sure it was about all the people that got him to where he is, who he really believes got him to where he is. And, uh, you know, I think someone tweeted, I was looking on, you know, if you weren't a Dale Hart Jr. fan before this, you should have been after that press conference, right? Because that is who he is. Um, that's why people love him. That's yep. why his friends are dear to him. Um, because he, I think he really appreciates it. Um, you know, I don't think he asked for any of this. He dreamt of it, which is what he said, right? And what did he tell them? That he, he accomplished more than he could have dreamed. Yep. He, uh, he certainly had some self-deprecating moments as well. And you alluded to this, that he, he clearly wrote that opening address. Uh, he made light of the fact that, hey, this isn't going to be a NASCAR announcement if I don't thank sponsors. And as he said, he threw a little thing out to Nationwide about using him the way they use Peyton Manning. And he also said, you might have heard the Earnhardt family has been with Nationwide for 30 years, of course, referencing his commercial. You said, I watched this with you, and you said something that just struck me. He said his speaking now matches his writing uh, in terms of like his eloquence. What, what does that mean? So pre-Twitter, the fan base didn't really get to see how witty and, and um, really just truly spectacular his writing is. He did the one letter to himself That's years right. back. Right, for a And everyone show. was yeah. completely taken back by it. And the ones in his inner circle, we weren't taken back because that's the wit we get on emails. That's the wit we get by text messages. That's the wit I would get in race notes. You know, as much as you want to strangle a guy, there'd be something dumb in there about a billboard off turn two just to make sure you read his notes. Um, <laughs> you, you know, he, he, his writing has always been spectacular. Um, and I truly just believe there was a lack of comfort on that stage to deliver it. Uh, I think the nerves took over what his brain couldn't produce. Mm-hmm. Um, and today, that's, I guess, why I'm so at peace with all of this is because I saw the opposite. Today I saw a guy that delivered um, both a prepared address and off-the-cuff questions with you know, patience, with um, just, a, just respect for what was going on, but enough wit to you know that he, his heart was still pounding, which is good. Yeah. And, and that's what I saw. I saw a guy that it was fun. I think uh, I thought it was classy. You talk about – thanking sponsors you know he thanks sponsors that don't thank him anymore right you know he called ac dalco out by name he called budweiser out by name and that's why it wasn't a you know second place championship speech at the banquet saying hey i want to thank all these guys that paid the bills it was this wasn't an oblig you know an obligation this was a no i'm here because you all supported me i mean he called out budweiser sports marketing execs who have been out of his life for more than a decade and 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 that's 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 who he is but yeah so i thought that um He's always been a witty writer. We knew it would take a little bit of time for that brain of his to catch up, but finally it's caught up, and now he says it. What's, uh, do you have a favorite email or note or text that you got from him? that you? Can the best share? one I ever got is we went to Martinsville, and we hit everything in the first 100 laps, everything. The 22 car twice, <laughs> the curb umpteen times, and um, he, had, he had partook in a little sponsor. We were an amp car at the time, and he – amped up a little too much <laughs> and in his post-race debrief 
it's four pages long and it's you know brakes didn't work and should have been this and should have been that should have been this and should have been that and there was a little asterisk and at the end there was a little asterisk footnote and it said make a note lack uh, or what do you say cut caffeine intake pre-race too amped up for 500 laps at martinsville and that was like in his post race like it was my job to tell him he's had too much caffeine that was one of my favorite and 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 he didn't say nothing he was like you know he he waited for you to bring it up because he wanted to make sure you read it (laughs) obviously uh he has a passion for racing uh that would be there i think regardless of his last name his legacy um how much do you think We'll see him driving. We know there's at least two Xfinity races on the horizon next year for junior motorsports. He's talked about truck races. He's talked about late model races. It's all how the racing community will race him and respect him. Mm-hmm. Um, he would drive forever. Will the fan base be okay when Dale Jr. goes and runs fifth in an Xfinity car? Will the fan base be okay if he goes to Martinsville in a truck and runs seventh to six young kids? Mm-hmm. Um you know, will the fan base be okay that their hero can't dominate in a lower series? Because he's not going there to dominate. Right. He's going there because he loves to race. If he could wear a costume, he'd be at Myrtle Beach running a late model right now. I mean, that's just how he is. But he's smart enough to know he he can't have one way out to the other. He can't be Dale Hart Jr. and have all of these partners and be this persona mm-hmm. and be able to just hide. You can't do both. Um, so I think if if the world will allow him to enjoy racing, then he'll race a lot. Hmm. I don't know if the world is really ready for that. Worlds aren't ready for Tiger Woods to go out and, and finish 25th or 30th or miss the cut at the Masters. They can't see their heroes not be their heroes anymore. Yeah. This is interesting because it's been a discussion lately in NASCAR with Kyle Larson saying we need more cup guys to go to short tracks and run late models. So listen, I, I tweeted this during the race. It was fabulous to me to watch Kyle Larson leading the Bristol race in the second stage because on Wednesday night I watched him run second in a mini outlaw race at Millbridge with 18 other guys. Really? Huh. And he set fast time and they inverted and went to six and he ran second and he was okay running second. He got out and thanked the guy who won, went back to the guy in third in which he battled with. You know, his, his ego, his persona, the sport – allowed him to go run second. Huh. It wasn't on Twitter. It wasn't a big deal. He tweeted it. Right. He said, hey, Rand Milbridge, I guess where I finished. Yep, second. And it was kind of a joke because he has so many seconds in the Cups series. Yeah. So the question is, after he wins 20 Cup races, is that still okay? Yeah. And I hope it is because not NASCAR, but racing needs that. Yeah. Racing needs our heroes to, to run. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, racing also needs sponsors, so we're going to talk some more Dale Jr. But first, you may have caught that uh, we have a presenting sponsor. I want to hear you read this, so I get to read this at times. So, so I think it's only, <laughs> I think it's only fair that the presenting sponsor of STP. Um, for those who don't know, I'm, I'm an STP spokesman. Um, this is rather apropos. This is un- completely unplanned. But well, yes. so I'm an STP spokesman. They've been a great partner of mine. They have uh, encouraged this NASCAR or this, excuse me, this STP. You know, American drive road trip, drive across the country with all your friends, uh, get in a car, enjoy the countryside. And I've enjoyed it all summer long with some great guests, Eric Amarola, Kim Kuhn. Uh, the King went with me one time, which is talking about a cool day riding in the it's car with bad. the King. Yeah. So I've read the somewhat tongue-twisting STP promotional reads on the radio before. So, Nate Ryan, I will give you the floor. Well, I probably don't have to tell you then, Steve Letarth, that for over 60 years, STP has been on the cutting edge developing products to help engines perform at their best. They have a new product that I'm sure you've heard of, STP Ultra 5-in-1 Plus Fuel System Cleaner and Fuel Stabilizer. 
that delivers three times the amount of cleaning agents versus premium gasoline. One bottle contains three times by weight the amount of cleaning agents compared to 20 gallons of the leading premium gasoline. That helps keep fuel fresh during storage, especially in engines that are stored over an extended period of time. It's also compatible with all two- and four-stroke engines, including lawnmowers, boats, and motorcycles. I'm aware of the difference between two- and four-stroke engines because I've covered I was wondering if that was going to be my next question, (laughs) but that was well done. And not only am I aware of those products, but I will admit that I am a user. In my opinion, there's no easier maintenance to your car than just dumping in a bottle of STP at your fuel change. And so, yeah, you just gas up, and then you pour the the stuff in. It treats the fuel, and you get better MPGs. Easy as that. Yeah, I'm down. All right, ultra- Five in one plus product uh, by STP Ultra Five in One Plus Fuel System Cleaner and Fuel Stabilizer. You should check it out. And thanks to STP for being a presenting sponsor of the NASCAR and NBC podcast. So uh, you mentioned Steve that you thought Dale Jr. seemed at peace, and he, he said that certainly a few times during the course, course of the news conference. But as we discussed, like he he's, he seems really concerned about just outward perceptions you know that he's worried about the fallout what, what makes him he's so concerned it seems like with with other people's happiness i saw one of his old pr guys jay gerst tweet that that he he hopes that in retirement dale jr will worry a little bit more about just being happy for himself and not worried about being keeping everybody else happy what what makes him that way you know all of us have our you know quirks that we can't change i talk fast talk loud talk too much dale's very quiet um (laughs) dale's very quiet and reserved um i have a great amount of empathy for other people but i have a great enough enough selfishness that i perhaps can overcome the empathy at times i'm not sure dale does i think dale is um it's not beyond Dale Earnhardt Jr. how blessed he has been to have a, a, a great life. He doesn't look at the negatives and the things that have gone against him over his career. He truly looks at the other side of the coin. And I think because of that, um, he feels a responsibility to this great life that he's received to, to give back to the people that support him and cheer him on and cheer the sport. And because of that, his fatal flaw will always be that he does he doesn't care what people think if he's cool or not cool, like the rest of us probably do. Mm-hmm. Um, he just wants people to believe in his efforts as much as he believes in them. And that's, uh, that's tough when you perform at a, such a competitive level that he does. Yeah. Uh, he, we talked about this already as well. He mentioned that um, you know, all he wanted to do was make it. All he wanted to do was just be able to drive a car for a living. And, of course – he had some inherent advantages in that, but it wasn't like his his dad just gave him the keys. I mean, he had to earn it at Myrtle Beach and in late models and prove himself through what was then Bush, now Xfinity Series, to to get his way to Cup and win back to back championships. But he said that he accomplished much more than he ever could have dreamed, as you said, and that for him, it, I mean, he wants to win, but relationships re- relationships matter more than the winning. The relationships he formed in NASCAR. How do you think? And his father is viewed, and I know that it's probably unfair to do too many comparisons with his dad. I mean, they're different people. Everybody's different. But seven-time champion viewed as, like, one of the greatest winners in NASCAR history. And the reputation he had was always he'd do anything to win. It, right. you know, he'd, he'd knock his best friend aside for a win. Dale Jr., to me, has always been a little bit different in terms of the way he wants to win, but he sees something more. It's, it's the relationships he talked about. Yeah, and I think um, it's a little infectious. You know, so so if you said, hey, you know, 
I was fortunate enough to win the Daytona 500 with them. Um, but if you said that I had to give back either his friendship or the trophy, I would give back the trophy. Hmm. Um, you know, and, and the accomplishments of my career are not the trophies. They're easy to measure and they're easy to discuss, but the accomplishments of my career are when I walk down Pet Road now in the Xfinity Series and I see crew chiefs that were my engineers, were my car chiefs, you know, people that I have helped along in their career because that's how I got there. Mm -hmm. Because Ray Everham and Jeff Gordon helped me along in my career and Robbie Loomis. Um, so I think that's where Dale and I relate a lot. I can understand what he means. Now, um, I am wired where when the green flag drops, I'm a hard guy to work for because I'm like the coolest guy to have a beer with. But when the green flag drops, <laughs> I will kick your feet out from underneath you if I think I can win the race because of it. Right. And and that's just – that's maybe not popular, but that's how I'm wired. Mm -hmm. um, it's fun to watch my son and I race together because I think he's kind of doing it for fun and I don't really race for fun, so it's it's a battle. <laughs> but that's for another podcast. So, um, you know, but but I appreciate the fact that he doesn't hide from it that he tells the world that the relationships are as important. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I have, I was scrolling through pictures in my phone today to figure out what I was going to attach with this tweet. And I found one of my family and him and Amy at Homestead. And I was like, all right, that's the one I'm going to use. But I was like, like a millisecond away away from showing 15 overly served guys in Las Vegas <laughs> on a Wednesday night um, in 2014, a, week and a half after winning the Daytona 500, we stayed between Phoenix and Vegas. Uh, and with media and stuff, it took us that long to get together. And we wasn't the crazy night. We went to um, uh, Margaritaville, went to the third floor that was closed, sat outside there, and just sat around as friends for hours and drank buckets and buckets of beer and enjoyed each other's company. This is you, Dale Jr., and the entire team? Yep. Okay. And I have a picture of us huh. about sundown. Like, we, we started early, so we didn't go late. <laughs> and And – Everyone has got their arm around one another, and it's the coolest picture. Um, and I didn't share it because Dale wouldn't mind, but there's other people. You know, it's not right for me to share sure. everybody's, you, you know, celebration. But that's almost the one I shared because that's what I remember most about working with them. It's not the wins. It's those. Yeah. Um, I have the same picture from his basement son coming up now after our Martinsville win. Right. Um, so, you know, so it is the relationships because, you know, he truly – celebrates successes and he does it with his coworkers who yeah. become his friends. So yeah. I, I, now I'm going to have to share it at some point. I'm going to yeah, share it. I think we're going to have to be watching Steve Wittart's Twitter for this. It's, it's um, going to be good. So you ended up at Margaritaville then. And, and after Martinsville, you ended up at the treehouse. I guess that would have been the third level. So of we, so we, you know, funny story about that one is we went, we went to the basement with all the guys and we had a good time. He was building his treehouse. Oh, okay. And we went and we walked around and it was just the, the floor with no railing. And the next day, he was like, we went and looked at the treehouse, right? And I'm like, yeah. He's like, man, it's a good thing we didn't fall off because it's like 25 feet off the one side. Good thing that was a really good And night. we joked about that. Um, about a year ago, I went and sat on the, the rocking chairs on his front porch, and we uh, sat there and just reminisced. And it was um, – we've had a lot of fun. You know, it's funny, right, because you make it sound like we've worked together for decades. We only worked together for four years. Right. But Man, they were they were a busy four years. They were pretty big four years, certainly. Uh, and not only did you have a really good personal relationship with him, obviously he had the same with Rick Hendrick, the man who again said today, I wasn't the one who said you had to wear this suit. He was giving him a little bit of grief. But they also talked about how this day when Dale Jr. went to Rick Hendrick's office and to tell him, this is it, 2017, that's my last season, uh, 
Dale talked about how they, they said a lot of things to each other that they'd be meaning to say. And it, I mean, I'm not the first person to, to draw this comparison or make this analogy or whatever, but like, it, it does seem like Dale Jr. and Rick almost have like a father son. And when you think about their histories and that one lost a father, one yep. lost a son, it's, it almost and, seems like it fits together. Well, and it's Rick in general. I mean, the toughest conversation I had to have was he was the, you know, Probably Dale was first that said, hey, I'm thinking about going. I'm leaving the team. But, you know, I'd worked for Rick for 20 years, and that was a tough decision. Yeah. Um, and it's funny because Rick and I now probably have more candid conversations than we did when I was an employee. Um, but but he's kind of more of a mentor for me. For Dale, it's always been different than that. It is that very unique relationship. Um, and I think you saw it on stage. You saw, you know, they're not talking points. Like when Dale was out with a concussion and Rick said, you know, I don't know who's going to drive, and I'm not really worried about the sponsor. I just want him to get healthy. Mm-hmm. Um, now, it wasn't completely truth because he, A, had to worry about who was going to drive, and B, it's his job to worry about the sponsor. But those truly weren't what was in his mind at that point. He mm-hmm. really cared about the guy that drove his car, and that's how he runs his companies. And that is why people go there and they don't leave. That's why people um, – you know, it's not the benefits package that makes Hendrick Motorsports the greatest place to work. It's the owner. And it's like that at Penske and Gibbs and all of those companies. You know, the owners are the leaders. Um, but I think Dale was more than a driver to Rick and Rick was more than an owner to Dale. And I think you saw that today on stage. Um, I thought it was interesting and probably the biggest announcement of Dale's, you know, Rick didn't have prepared remarks. He didn't really do anything other than sit up there just to support him and answer some questions. Um, you know, there's a lot to be learned from that press conference today that wasn't said, you know, if someone goes back and studies press conferences, there is, um, a simplicity to this one that, proved to me that it was not a dog and pony show it wasn't charades it wasn't we're not going to pull a car cover off and announce a sponsor um they were in suits they didn't have sponsors on their shirt the pictures in the background had sponsors that aren't even Hendrick Motorsports sponsors um it was a moment in time that I think the sport got to appreciate that this wasn't about the business of NASCAR. This was about someone's career in NASCAR, and that's how the whole thing came across. Which is one of the things, one of the reasons I think Dale Jr. has such fan appeal is there is that authenticity. He's so he just he comes across as genuine. And yes, he's 14-time most popular driver who command who can command you know immense corporate support and sponsorship, but he'll just put all that aside and just be himself. And there's there's no sponsor. The worst job in the world is to be the marketing guy for Dale Earnhardt Jr. sponsors because you have no (laughs) idea what he's going to say. That's why, listen, that's why his sponsors love him because he partners with companies that he loves. Yeah, yeah, which makes it genuine. I mean, that's just how it is, right? Right. Like, and and you need to be careful because, you know, there are no sponsor pitches. Yeah. Like, if if he doesn't believe it, boy, be careful and tell me social media hasn't only made it worse. He will send a zinger out there. He is not... You know, he is a paid spokesman, but his opinion is not bought. Right. His opinion is his own. Right. Right. So you know, you might pay him to mention your product, but you're not gonna me- you're not gonna pay him to say your product's good. Right. You better give him a good product. <laughs> <laughs> he only endorses what he loves. I mean, uh, listen, who doesn't love water cooler Dale? Yeah, absolutely. And let's hope we see more of the Peyton Manning uh, yeah. version uh, that Nationwide has given us in retirement. There. Speaking of opinions, we'll, we'll end here. My good friend and yours, Jenna Fryer, asked a question uh, that had an opinion in it that, that we've seen floating around there this morning and this afternoon. I was watching this news conference with you, Stevie, and yet you certainly had your own opinion in reaction to this opinion. Let me set it up. Uh, it's basically that 
it, it starts with a fact. I mean, this is the, the third superstar that NASCAR has had retire now in the span of three seasons. Jeff Gordon announcing after, or announcing that he would leave after 2015. Tony Stewart after last season, and now Dale Jr. after this season. And arguably four if you consider Carl Edwards yeah, gone for good. We you, don't know. Yeah, you can certainly put Carl Edwards so, in that yep. in that mix, and he's certainly somebody who is right below those guys in terms of being, um, you, know, you know, having a lot of popularity and a lot of sponsor appeal. You have a different take on this. I do. Mine's going to be unpopular. Um, <laughs> here's the simple fact. There is no debating Dale Hart Jr.'s popularity. There's, there's no debating it. Um. But I am the believer that the ball has to move, that the needle has to move. I am not, um, you know, I'm not built to have a bleeding heart. I'm not built to sit in the past. Um, I'm a true believer in success is given to the dreamers that are willing to look forward. Um, and I think NASCAR as a sport I look at it the opposite. You know, Jenna Fry posed the question that it's a negative that all these people have left NASCAR. Am I excited that they left? No. Do we not want the stars here? No. No, of course we want them all to run. But it's, it's natural. Careers end. And in this supposed negative vacuum of superstars leaving, I look at it as the opposite. I look at it as in, and, and you know, I was a Rusty Walls fan growing up. Well, I'm 37 and I've moved on. I have other drivers. And I think it's time we want a fan base in NASCAR to be passionate. We have a huge passionate fan base, but, but we want new fans to find passion. And I think new fans have to find passion with new drivers. Mm-hmm. And I think that's who it is. You know, How many stories do we have to hear? Well, my dad loved Dale Sr., so... So I picked Jeff Gordon because I want to vote, I want to go against him. Well, you, you know, Kyle Busch's popularity became apparent because he raced against those veterans. Mm-hmm. Well, now we have this great new group of young stars that are delivering on the racetrack as they need to. Kyle Larson is delivering on the racetrack. Chase Elliott, yet to win, but delivering with speed. Ryan Blaney, delivering with opinions, delivering with – Social access, delivering with being real people, not being photocopied robots who speak of sponsors. And I think that while we would love to have Dale Jr. still around because he's the most popular driver, I don't see Dale Jr.'s fans not loving NASCAR because he's not in it. Mm-hmm. I think they're going to take their passion. I, I see. Here's the difference. I see Jenna Fryer's question as as – you know, the fans don't love the sport at all, and Dale's their guy, and when Dale's gone, they're just going to throw their talent on NASCAR. I look at it the exact opposite. I look at it as in they love Dale, and they love NASCAR, and because Dale loves NASCAR, and because it showed in his press conference today that they're going to find another horse to cheer for. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm a true believer in that. It moves forward. And I think that, and I said this at the beginning of the year, this vacuum of superstardom that's leaving the sport right now will be replaced. It, it, that's how it works. Yeah. And Kyle Larson has the chance to be it. And yeah. Chase Elliott has the chance to be it. But the problem is you don't do anything. You and I had this conversation. There is no checklist to becoming the sport's most popular driver. That's not how it works. Mm-hmm. And and I think that, I yeah, I just disagree. I don't see it as a negative. I see it as a huge opportunity for a sport who has a young, fresh sponsor, and when I go to the track this year, I see this wave of new inquiring minds. And 
new inquiring minds deserve. Like, how are you going to get a new fan to cheer for a guy that only has a year or two left on his career? Right. Matt Kenseth right. hasn't retired, but he doesn't have 10 years. Right. Like, I'm not going to put the end of Matt Kenseth's career, but I think pretty confident if we sat Matt in here and said, hey, you're going to be driving in, you know, 2025, he would probably look at us a little cross-eyed. So if I'm going to go pick an 18-year-old to a 22-year-old young man or woman and say, hey, pick a star, I'm guessing I'm going to pick an 18- or 22-year-old star. Right. That's just how it is. So my point is I think the vacuum's good. Yeah. I think it's great. I think it's exactly what the sport needs is movement. Because you can't become a star, really, until, to some degree, those other stars have faded out. I mean, people keep saying, when is Kyle Larson going to be a star? When is Chase Elliott? And certainly, in some degree, they are stars already. And, and it, it helps if you win. But it helps if you win when there's no Jeff Gordon, Tony Stewart, and Dale Jr. around, too, right? I mean, So my analogy should... is my children are in performances. They like Broadway. They like plays. So if everyone goes on stage, there's only one spotlight, maybe two. And people say, well, that's not true. You can light everybody up. Then they're no longer spotlights. Mm-hmm. That's just a lit stage. Right. And there are no stars. There are just a bunch of actors. There are only room for how many people that can be spotlighted. That's how it works. There has to be a contrast. If you're not in a spotlight, then you're not a star. You're a competitor like everyone else. There's no argument that Dale Earnhardt Jr. is a spotlight driver, most popular driver in the sport. There's no argument that Tony Stewart or Jeff Gordon are spotlight drivers. The spotlight can't shine on someone else until it shuts off on someone. Right, right. There's only so much light to go around. And, and you know, that isn't a positive. And I don't want to spin this into, oh, thank goodness he's not around so someone else can get the accolades. Not at all. No. But it's also not, oh, my goodness, doomsday, the most popular guy's gone, and every fan is going to go start cheering for soccer. Well, the other thing is he'll still be around. I mean, you know I he'll, be, he'll I, be at I the track. I believe more in the NASCAR fan base than Jennifer I's question. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's simply what it comes down to. I, I can respect that. I believe that when that that um, you know we should be thankful that all of those names chose to retire and we all could cheer them off and they weren't taken from us as so many great athletes and stars have been through sports over time. Right. And and that's how I'm going to look at it. Yeah. And 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 it's and and you know Dale didn't give everyone a whole year, nor did I think he needed to, but he's given everybody what. 20 some odd races to the end of the yeah. year to accept it to give him his well wishes to to pass the baton and and dale doesn't get to choose who that is we at nbc don't get to choose who that is the only people that get to choose who the next star is the ticket holders and the people watching on tv yep he certainly has given them sufficient time to uh, get used to being gone and again like i said he's he's not gonna be gone entirely i think you're still gonna see him at daytona you're still gonna see him around the junior motorsports team see him on the racetrack you're gonna see him on the racetrack so he's not gone entirely we need to have jenna on this podcast, along with Pete Pistoni. I have two people that <laughs> I respect. In the, in the future. Um, I respect, um, and I would love to sit here and debate. Yeah. And, and because I think they're intelligent people, and we see things a little bit differently. I I'm, mean, Pete's a Cubs fan, so you got to take that against him. <laughs> yeah. But uh, uh, That would be great, a Cubs-Red Sox I mean, podcast. Jenna, with I mean, Tartan. just ask her opinion about open-wheel racing, and she'll she'll mock <laughs> up some poor guy from Formula One and get blasted on Twitter. But it's oh been fun. It was a slow news day, Nate. I appreciate you having me on. I'm, I'm glad you were here. And, again, no promises, but as you can tell, we, we've got some big plans for some roundtable discussions for this podcast in the future, maybe even next month. Um, so, yeah, thanks for being here, Steve. Uh, thanks to Tess Quinlan for producing. This will be an abbreviated version of my usual outro, which probably people are thankful for. Um, you should check out NASCAR America daily on NBCSN. Uh, if you like what you heard here, please leave a rating or review on Apple Podcasts, uh, Google Play, Spotify, Audio Boom, 
anywhere you can find a podcast, you can pretty much find the NASCAR NBC podcast presented by STP. Thanks for listening. I'm Steve Letarte, STP auto expert and former crew chief. I know what it takes to keep engines performing at their best. STP's latest breakthrough additive, STP Ultra 5-in-1 plus Fuel System Cleaner plus Fuel Stabilizer delivers three times the amount of cleaning agents versus premium gasoline and helps keep fuel fresh during storage. For over 60 years, STP has been on the cutting edge developing products to help engines run better, longer. One bottle contains three times by weight the amount of cleaning agents compared to 20 gallons of the leading premium gasoline. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn on what you want, like trying out that new workout class, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like a foam roller for your sore muscles. That's the beauty of the Active Cash Credit Card. It's ready when you are, with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash activecash.